0: The following is a presentation of the Billip Sports Media Network.
1: The ball sends it over to Edward Robles. Go and FC! Name FC What is up everybody? It is Hector Flores, host of the Insert Name FC podcast, a member of Belly Up Sports, and it is just me this episode because um obviously you guys know it is summer, summer vacation, and Edward is a single father of twin boys and um this was his week with the boys. We did take 4th of July off because obviously America, but um Edward also, uh, this is his week with his, uh, with his children. And, um, obviously I'm not going to deprive anybody from being a father. Family always comes first. I think that should be something that most people should be able to understand. Um, but you know, that's not always the case, but, uh, but yeah, so Edward is going to be, uh, is not going to be in this episode. We are at, we do have somebody, uh, that's coming in just for like a brief segment of this, of this podcast, but uh really great person to talk to honestly it was just great to to reconnect with with that person and we'll get to that when we get there but um yeah i just before we get going with this episode before i tell you what this episode uh, will all entail um i just wanted to say uh for those of you who do not, do not do not know um i was released by the Houston Dynamo Academy uh not performance based it was a financial reason uh the academy could not afford an equipment manager anymore so um i was i was unfortunately uh released from the club it is a a very painful feeling it's it sucks it's still uh very very much fresh um it happened actually like in at the beginning of this month um so uh which i i think maybe would it was nice to be able to like Really take some time and, and fully assess, you know, really reflect on what happened. Um, but yeah, it, it's still it's still painful. It still sucks. It 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 is a uh, especially because for those of you who don't know me uh, personally, being an equipment manager has always been a dream job of mine. Um, kind of going back to my time in the Marine Corps, where I was essentially an equipment manager for for pilots, and I really enjoyed that job. And so for me, when I experienced being an equipment manager for the first time, which weirdly enough is actually when this podcast started, um, I got my, my first opportunity, which was with Rice University's football team. Um, and it, it honestly, I will tell you personally, like when it comes to being a veteran, when you leave that life in the military, it is, it is one of the most hard, it is the hardest thing. Is to come back into the regular world and, and try to be a civilian because you, you're so out of it. You're so out of touch with civilian life that you're only, you only know military life, especially if you go straight in from high school. So like connecting with normal civilians is a very difficult thing. And, and finding a job that like, honestly, I really enjoyed being a, being a flight equipment technician. It was honestly one of. It was a really satisfying job and I really loved it. I connected with some great people from it and I was really good at it. Um, and, and, but like I said, uh, most jobs that I've had, it's been really hard to get like that feel that I had when I was a flight equipment technician in the U.S. Marine Corps. And, uh, and and when I be, when I got to become an equipment manager, that had to have been the closest I ever was to get that same feeling that I had when I was in the Marine Corps. And, um, and so that's like the other thing that was very, that was painful of losing, of leaving the, getting released by the Houston Dynamo was, I mean, aside from the fact that it is the Houston Dynamo club that I've supported for so many years, but, uh, it, it, the, the part that hurt more, more than anything else is just the fact that, like, it really took away a, a feeling that I hadn't felt in, like, years. You know, I've been out of the Marine Corps, holy shit, for, since 2015. I got out in 2015. And so for me, it, it it was, that was the hardest part was just um, losing, missing that feeling again, like being part of a team, being, you know, uh, just doing that sort of interaction that was very similar to what I did in the Marine Corps. To me, that was one of the most painful things was to lose that feeling again. Um, But I don't regret it. You know, I think. And I, and I will say, there is some sort of, um, I don't know what the phrase is, but, uh, silver lining. There's some sort of silver lining to it, which is this wasn't a performance issue. I didn't get released because I was bad at my job. I got released because of, unfortunately, for financial reasons. Um, so like for me, that's my silver lining. Like I didn't, I didn't get released because I sucked at my job. And, and so if there's something to hang on to, hang on to, it was that like, not only did I get to live out a job that I very much considered a dream job, but, uh, to, to know that I was really good at it, uh, and, and that was not the reason why I was released is, is sort of satisfying to me, but it, it's still, it's still gonna suck. Um, I actually just, uh, before I recorded this episode the day before, uh, yesterday, um, I went to the Dynamo game to go watch them play Minnesota United, which was a fucking awful game that <laughs> was a 3-0 loss to to minnesota um pookie pookie scored a goal uh he, he recently just got signed to minnesota um from norway he, he moved from, here from norwich city um but or is not just norwich i don't know but anyways uh but i went there and i will say everyone that uh that's that spotted me and and, and talked to me uh I really appreciated that. I don't, it's, it's a small thing. It's a small gesture, but for, for, for one, it, the fact it shows that like, I've impacted you in some way. And I mean, not only that, but like, obviously all the, all the guys that, uh, messaged me after they found out I got released and, uh, told me they were gonna miss me. Um, obviously every, everyone in the academy has a special place in my heart. You guys don't realize how much significance you guys had on me and watching everybody play and train and coach uh it was it was really just an amazing experience I I got to learn a lot about the academy system um but I I just gotta say like if 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 we didn't get to interact and if you guys somehow listen to this episode listen to this podcast one thank you but uh just know I'm proud of each and every one of you I have no animosity towards anybody Everyone is loved. Um, you guys have a very special place in my heart, and I'm going to miss every single one of you. Every single one of you, even the ones that always ask me for cleats. Um, you guys really made me feel belonged, and, and it, and not just because of like my military background and all that stuff, but I just, you guys really made me live out a dream. And even though it, it ended. Um, I don't regret that. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, maybe, maybe we get to, maybe I get to work back with the Dynamo again. Who knows? But um, if that's the end of my chapter with the Houston Dynamo, then then I I don't regret it. Um, I hope every single one of you makes it. Um, that doesn't mean all. That doesn't necessarily mean going pro, but I mean makes it in your own way. Whether it's getting your education. Or making it professionally as a player. Uh, you know, I'm going to be supporting you every step of the way. Um, and, um, uh, yeah. And obviously to the coaching staff and, and all, and all, just the staff in general, uh, of the academy. Your job is, is a thankless job. It is probably one of the hardest jobs in any, uh, professional organization is to develop young players. But not only that, but just develop people. Um, you, you're there every single step of the way in, their, in, in some very important parts of their lives. Um, and so uh, every one of you, yeah, it, your job is important. I know that some people kept saying that the kid man or equipment manager is the most important position in the club. I think I, I said no. I said the academy in, as a whole is the most important part of the job because it is a thankless job. It is not an easy job. You are very limited on resources and the resources that you have, it, it does make, fru- it does cause frustration. I mean, obviously, you know, the academy just lost an equipment manager. Not a lot of, not to, to give you guys a point of reference, not a lot of MLS clubs have academy equipment managers. So there's a very, there's a slim few that do have them. Some of them, some clubs actually have their admin also do equipment manager, uh, work, which that is just hell. From from my perspective, because like equipment managing already is a lot to do because you're managing all these academy teams. But then to add admin, which you're talking about uh, booking book hotels, uh, you know, arranging transportation, uh, food, that um, that itself, adding that onto, at, you know, focusing on equipment. Yeah, it, it is not an easy task. I, I, I commend every single person that decides to go and work for the academy, because like I said, it is not an easy job. Um, but I, I'm kind of going a little bit too long of a ramble here now. Um, but, but yeah, so don't think that there's any animosity. Thank you to everyone that reached out to me. Um, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to bounce back. Uh, maybe this podcast ends up blowing up. I don't know, but, uh, just know, I don't regret anything. I have no animosity towards anybody. Um, every, every single one, of every single one of you has a special place in my heart. Because you guys got to let, you guys allowed me to live out my dream. And and I'm, and I think till, till I impregnate somebody, um, you guys are, are up there for me. Till I have someone provide me my first child. (laughs) I think till then, you guys are, are number one in my, and and that's a lot of people that's number one to me. So thank you for everybody in the academy. Um, I'm going to miss you guys. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm always going to be rooting for you guys because I am I am forever orange. So, um, all right. To get back into this. So this episode, we do have transfer talk uh, with Stuart Cavanaugh, Stuart Cavanaugh, obviously a good old friend that I've uh, I've done a few episodes with his podcast that he used to have. Now he 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 does his he does some journalism work as well as edge of the crowd. And he's starting up an, again, his podcast that covers Australia in the World Cup. He did it for the men's World Cup. And they're going to do it for the Women's World Cup. And because of that, so not only are we going to be talking transfers with Stewart, but we're also going to be talking about the 2022 Women's World Cup. So that's going to be part of the episode. There is going to be a debate topic. That's going to be just me. So Stewart is just going to cover uh, transfers and World Cup. And then the rest is just going to be me. Recap uh, everything that has gone down in the Gold Cup from the group stages all the way down to the semifinals. And then preview the final announce players of the week, give you guys some games to look forward to. And I am going to wrap it up with my closing thought on something that I, I, I kind of want to go off on. So get ready for that. But without without making this any longer, um, let's get going with this episode.
0: Hey, everyone. It's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Fully Up Sports
1: all right, and we're back. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Instagram, name FC, on Instagram, at Twitter. I don't know why I just said that again. Um, It's early. Not really. It's like fucking three. <laughs> but, but, hey, it's early to somebody. Actually, as a matter of fact, it is early because we do have a special guest with us to talk transfers and the Women's World Cup, and that is a good friend of mine. I've done a little bit of some of his uh previous shows. He's doing a lot of cool stuff right now, uh, as a matter of fact, has a podcast that's going to be covering the Women's World Cup, specifically for Australia, and that is my good buddy, Stuart Cavanaugh, um, who I also gave him a Liverpool jersey, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot.
2: So... How you going, man? That Liverpool jersey still, still fits nice, I still wear it all the time, that's fantastic. How you doing, man? Anyway, it's been a long time since we chatted.
1: Oh, yeah, man, it's been been quite some time, man, but... Yeah, man, it's great to see you again. I'm sure everyone's gonna re- remember that favorite Aussie voice right there. It's, uh, <laughs> insert name of C's favorite Australian.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna be someone's favorite Australian, right?
1: Yep. But uh, but yeah, man. Um, what's new with you, man? Like I said, you, you do have an Australian Women's World Cup podcast coming up, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, we, uh, website that I work for, shameless plug here, edgeofthecrowd.com. Check it out. Um, we did a podcast for the men's world cup called the Australian World Cup podcast, where we sort of focused pretty heavily on the world cup. We were doing match day reviews, all that sort of thing. Um, we've decided to resurrect it for the women's world cup because it is huge over here, man. It is, uh, it is just out of control. And uh, we just thought we would cover that. We've done five or six episodes, sort of hype episodes, if you will, for the uh, competition. And we'll be doing the same thing. We'll be giving it the same treatment that we gave the Men's World Cup um, match day, match day reviews, uh, interviews, guests. Um, We've got a couple of exciting guests coming up. I can't, can't mention who they are yet because I just need them to sort of. Sign on the dotted line, if you will, but uh, definitely head over there and, and check that out. And uh, I've got a bunch of other stuff going on too, man, but if I keep talking about all the stuff I've got going on, we're never going to get to transfers and uh, and talk about the Women's World Cup, bro.
1: All right, man. We'll we'll save that for the end. But all right. <laughs> so kick things off with transfers. Obviously, this is pretty new to Stuart, but me and I, were usually we just go right through them. There's one that catches our eye. We'll talk about it for a bit, but because, I mean, this is like two weeks worth of, of transfer rumors that uh, obviously because I took a break last week and um, and that the hell happened. of a list man hell, hell of, of a list. list. <laughs> oh man when things get really fucking busy it, it, these lists I'm like this basically is the podcast goes <laughs> <So, laughs> over guys we've already killed like three hours just doing this but let's go ahead and get things going off with a big one talking about uh, America's own Timothy Wea who is joining Juventus, leaving Lille, now going to the Italian Giants, who are looking to do a new cosmetic look for themselves, um, get younger. And I think adding a, a player like Timothy Weah on a really good deal, which I'm like, really, it's a disrespect how cheap he was. But I mean, I think <laughs> great value pick for Juventus, especially if they're trying to get younger.
2: Absolutely, and uh, you know Juventus—they got a bit of a sweet spot for uh, you know United States ma- national team players, don't they? They had Western McKinney, um, you know, I guess the Italian league more broadly, and we'll get to that later. They, they, they've 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 definitely got their irons in the fire for uh, for one of the biggest names in US football as well. Um, I think Timothy Wea will be a great fit over there in Italy, and he'll probably pick up a league title or two during his stay.
1: Definitely. Uh we're going to talk about going from one giant to another. The German giants Bayern Munich are going after Harry Kane. Uh I think they're I think Tottenham keeps wanting more money, but it seems like Harry Kane is very much interested in joining Bayern Munich and being their new Robert Lewandowski.
2: Yeah, this is uh this is a very interesting one. Obviously Tottenham is big news over here too because they've got Ange Poster as their new manager. Um so every Australian that doesn't have a Premier League team is uh, all of a sudden a Tottenham fan. I know you will hate Sorry to that. hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to talk about is Harry Kane you know, is what what's the go with Harry Kane? Is he should he stay at Tottenham and and, and sort of build his legacy? Or should he look to move on? I know the rumours are that he's agreed personal terms with Bayern Munich. Um, I don't know. I I feel I'm I'm kind of in two minds about it, you know. I I think it would be great for him. He's a fantastic player, one of the world's best strikers and deserves to win stuff. And let's face it, Hector, he's not winning anything at Tottenham anytime soon. So, but then on the other side of the coin heading to Bayern Munich is just such a walk-up. It's, like, it's almost like cheating, you know? You go there, yeah, I'm going to pick up a few leagues. And uh, I, I, I don't know, where, where do you sort of sit on the Harry Kane thing if you can take your Tottenham bias out of it, mate? So,
1: um, previous, I was actually on a Corner Booth podcast. Uh, they do their Thursdays where they like to get drunk and, and talk stuff about sports. Um, it's a member of Belly of Sports. Uh, I was on there, I was with them last week, and the topic was actually athletes who are in teams that we don't support and um and mm-hmm. harry Kane was on, on my top five list harry Kane is a player that i do tr- respect tremendously um unfortunately he plays for that shite club uh tottenham <laughs> and everybody knows i fucking hate Tottenham i hate tottenham more than i hate barcelona so just like point that <laughs> out like i mean that's like the bitter rival that should be my bitter rival but like he barcelona is like my joker like i need barcelona to be competitive like Tottenham is, a, 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 in my opinion, and Tottenham fans are going to hate me for this, but you guys literally have achieved nothing, but yet act like you guys have done something. So, like, I at least Arsenal has history where Tottenham, your 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 trophy case is empty, um, <laughs> and so I, that's all I gotta say. But I do have a lot of respect for Harry Kane. I think he is definitely a player truly special. He's he's gone through a lot of heartbreaks uh, in, in his mm-hmm. in his time, not only with Tottenham. Uh, but even with England, I mean, you're talking about heartbreak after heartbreak, penalty after penalties. I mean, it's just the guy can't just can't get a, gri- a grip of a trophy. Bayern Munich. Yeah, it's super unfair. Um, But Bayern Munich had the closest. I think this past season was the closest to being mortal, Um, which they almost lost the league to the Borussia Dortmund, which I think would have been. Probably the best best thing that would hap- would have happened for the Bundesliga because I, I but I I do think uh, the Bundesliga is starting to get a little bit more competitive, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But obviously, uh, adding a player like Harry Kane, I think this is a no offense, but a better upgrade than Sadio Mane. Um, I think personally, it's just because they played Sadio Mane at the wrong position. Um, mm-hmm. I think they should have been playing him on the wing where where he's more comfortable at. Um, but Harry Kane, you're talking about a pure nine essentially what I I I said was England's uh Robert Lewandowski I've said that a few times and if you guys know I've I've said it plenty of times Robert Lewandowski is a human cheat code um (laughs) but I think you're adding Harry Kane into into that Bayern Munich attack it's just like having Robert Lewandowski back there um I think there's gonna I don't think there's gonna be much like growing pain for him if he does go to Bayern Munich I think he's gonna fit very well I think he's gonna He's gonna kind of feel. He's gonna feel what Erling Haaland felt when he went to Borussia Dorman and just being like, "Oh, soccer's fun again." Uh, so, <laughs> I think for me, it, it'll be Harry Kane needs to lift the trophy. That's all I gotta say for to sum it all up. I need I, I need to see Harry Kane win a trophy, and I think that Harry Kane does boost Bayern Munich not only for the Bundesliga but also to possibly compete again for a Champions League.
2: That's uh, that's a pretty compelling case, mate. Uh, I think I agree with you. You know, Harry Kane needs to lift a trophy. And I know I said it's, it's, it's kind of like cheating going to Bayern Munich because you're guaranteed a trophy almost uh, every season. But, uh, yeah, no hard feelings if uh, if Harry Kane goes to Bayern, I suppose.
1: Yep. But continuing on. All right. Loftus-Cheek is joining AC Milan. This will not be the last time we hear AC Milan in this thing. But... <laughs> Chelsea's fire. cell it's, it's, it's happening. And as we continue on, Kai Havertz, another Chelsea player joining Arsenal. Um, I still don't know how to truly feel about this signing yet uh, (laughs) as an Arsenal, as a, as a guy that likes Arsenal, but Kai Havertz has his moments. Uh, He could be good. I think he could be good. I just don't know where the hell he's going to play. I know they've been saying that he's going to be part of the midfield, but that just, that just sounds weird, but
2: we, we were sort of chatting off mic about this, um, you know, I was just touching base with Hector. I hadn't spoken to him for such a long time since Arsenal's superb Premier League season last year. And uh, it, it is interesting that uh, Kai Havertz is is being mentioned as a part of sort of a, I don't know if you call it a midfield rebuild at, at, at Arsenal, but, uh, you know, he, he, he always sort of played in the attacking third for for Chelsea so uh yeah I'm curious to see how he goes um if he does actually play in that midfield three
1: exactly uh sticking with Arsenal adding another part of that rebuild for the midfield Declan Rice has finally joined Arsenal after just rumors on rumors it's gonna happen it might not happen oh Manchester City decided to join in the race for him you know all that shit it's 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 done Arsenal basically put their nuts on the table and said no we're getting declan rice fuck you pep and they got <laughs>
2: 105 million plus add-ons right and so that would make him the most expensive englishman uh of all time
1: let that sit in
2: uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> holy shit fuck that, that that's that I, all right well i'm um
2: no pressure no pressure I, I, can't, I, I
1: might I might have to, I might have to like be easier on on Cronky for a while
2: <laughs> I'm not
1: but I'm I might try to
2: listen they, they're splashing the cash like where is this money been is this just because they've qualified for the Champions League again They they've sort of sort of loosened the purse per strings or
1: who knows I think that they're seeing that they have something and they just need a add a little bit more to it to be a little bit more consistent. I think Kai Havers and Declan Rice does do that to make mm-hmm. make Arsenal a little bit more consistent. We're still talking about a very young Arsenal team. So, adding a little bit more stable I mean adding more stability in the midfield, um I think that could help help keep make sure that they stay afloat and win those matches that they're supposed to win uh and, and not not let <laughs> Manchester City come back on them.
2: You know, I just want to say on our Arsenal's transfer business over the last couple of seasons, one thing they've done really astutely is is get players who are already proven Premier League players, Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, um, now Kai Havertz and De- Declan Rice. I mean, say what you will, they're all at different levels, but they've all proven that they can cut it in the Premier League. There's no sort of... Um, Oh, this guy's good over here. Let's see if he can make it in the Premier League. You know, these guys are going to come into the team and sort of hit the ground running, and 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 they can deal with the uh, with the Premier League physicality and pace. So, uh, I think that's you know some really astute business by Arsenal over the past couple of seasons.
1: All right, uh, I I definitely typed this wrong. Lucas Hernandez is actually leaving Bayern Munich to go to PSG. So, the Frenchman is going to one giant to another PSG where they're probably just not going to win a Champions League again. Uh, I mean, (laughs) until proven wrong, they're just not going to do it. Um, So that's all I got to say for that one. But Lucas Hernandez, obviously world cup winner. Um, I'm guessing they're hoping that they can look, they brought so many world cup winners over to that PSG team and, and shit hasn't happened yet. So, I mean, I'm just going to point that out. So, but good move for for Lucas though. He's going to get paid a lot because that's what PSG is good for. Absolutely. Uh going back to Arsenal, Jurian Timber is joining Arsenal. He's a defender from I believe Ajax. So Ajax just doing what they do best and that is have a very competitive team, have develop a bunch of prospects and then let other teams go ahead and take them for big money and that's how they stay afloat.
2: <laughs> so Jurian Timber that that deal's confirmed, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It has been wow. That is some huge business. When I was talking about loosening the purse strings, I was talking about the money for Havertz and Rice, but uh, what was it like forty forty million, forty-five million for Junior Timber? hmm Yeah, right. Jeez. Splashing the cash. Just uh Manchester City Jr. over there, Hector.
1: Yeah, just just not a <laughs> not a sheep, just some guy from, just a guy with a mustache from like Missouri. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Continuing forward, Marcelo Brazovic, he is leaving Europe and going to Saudi Arabia like most older players are doing right now and joining Ronaldo's team on Nassar.
2: So this is probably the biggest news story. Not this particular transfer, but just uh, you know, Saudi Arabia just deciding, you know what, we're gonna try and actually have a decent league and 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 poach a bunch of players from Europe. It sort of smacks of the the live golf. I don't know if you're across that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's but a, uh, It's
1: an interesting story, that little live golf thing. Now it's part of the PGA. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's kind uh, it, of fascinating. And, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that the, there are a few players that, that I'm, I'm interested to see how they go over there. Not to mention, um, Stephen Gerrard has, uh, has decided to go over there to manage, although it's definitely not for the money. Bullshit. It, it can't so, be for the money. It, it, can't, yeah. it can't
1: be. <laughs> look, Saudi Arabia, if you want to you want to pay for my allegiance, I'll, you don't even need to give me 100 million. Just just whatever 10% of that is, I'll I'll take that. So like <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm look, I just I just need to get my bills paid. I just and get a house and uh and I'm good. So I'll yeah, be, I'll, give be me- I'll be full Saudi. <laughs>
2: Hey, yeah, get me and Hector over there. We'll run the official Saudi league podcast. How about that?
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I'll be making the push to have the Saudi league join the champions league. We'll, we'll make it. Happen. We'll make y'all join <laughs> Considering on long time Chelsea player, probably the longest tenured Chelsea player at the time. Cesar Espelicueta is joining Atletico Madrid. Um, Yeah, this is the Chelsea Fire Sell continues, but I believe this was a free transfer actually. But I think now the longest tenured Chelsea player is Ethan Appadell.
2: Right. Wow. (laughs) That's, uh, yeah, not exactly a first team monster. Um, But uh, Cesar Aspilaqueta, excuse me um, for my terrible pronunciation there. Just a nice transfer, right? He gets to go home, um, spend his last few years probably with his family and stuff. And, uh, it's just nice, you know. the The transfer world is is so cutthroat, and players. You, you often hear stories about them being sent to clubs they don't want to go to, and you know, just uh, sort of having a tough time. It's nice when you see these types of transfers. Um, you know, longest tenured Chelsea player, like you said, and uh, he definitely deserves it. It's good to see the club doing in a solid. I suppose.
1: Yep. Now, talk about Liverpool player. You know, you had you had Stewart over here not being able to pronounce someone's last name. <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna be able to pronounce his last name. I think, I think I'm gonna definitely struggle. But with Dominic, Dominic has joined, Dominic Toretto has joined Liverpool. <laughs> uh, John, uh, Dominic Sapazla. Sapozla, yes
2: saboz i think is how you say it um don't be ashamed good, mate. Take it. <laughs> I, don't, I think uh i think everyone struggles with that when you see that on a piece of paper you know what the fuck does that say but anyway um look quite, know you anything. know
1: if i'm struggling with the person's name or country is like i take a deep breath because i know i'm about to <laughs> fuck this up <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, noodles on Twitter talking about how this guy's going to transform our midfield. I'm not ashamed to say I've never seen this guy play once. I don't know what he's capable of. Um, I'm like every other Liverpool fan, I'll probably watch a 3-minute YouTube highlight package and uh, you know, you and I both know Hector that you can't judge a player off a 3-minute highlight package. Um, I'll just I'll just hope he's good. We needed players for the midfield, we needed a certain profile of player, you know, age-wise. And I think we've done that with Sabozla and, and McAllister. So, you know, um, I guess we'll just we'll just see how it goes.
1: Look, man, we all can't be lucky in watching Martin Odegaard at age twelve and saying this guy's it. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
2: very true, very true. <laughs>
1: um but uh continuing on, Manchester city are interested in getting Frankie de Jong I, I think it's a interesting move. Uh, I know Gundogan, actually, ironically enough, went, is going to Barcelona. Ari went to Barcelona. Uh, mm-hmm. Frankie de Young. Look, allegedly, Barcelona's broke. And so, I mean, they'll get money for it. And then maybe I could justify that they, they have money now. But I, if they're broke as they are, this is basically, they're in a negative. They're like on overdraft right now. At least from what <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've am i been told. But I I constantly call bullshit on that because... Then they go buy Robert Lewandowski. So I mm-hmm. mean, like I have no idea if Barcelona is broke or not. I think they're just lying to me, and they have like money in a in a couch somewhere, uh, because <laughs> I like I'm I'm and they want I'm I'm also still mad that they won La Liga last season. <laughs>
2: uh, Interesting. And it was, they go were on, good. Sorry, they want
1: games. They want games. I'll give it to them. But it was mainly also because Real Madrid was just terrible last season.
2: <laughs> it was not their best
1: year. I mean, yes, they won Copa del Rey, but like I don't know. Barcelona, look, I keep telling, you, and I'm, I'm listening to, to Spotify. I'm gonna listen to this through Spotify like an idiot, like I always do. Um, so I'm helping Barcelona by by twelve dollars in my twelve ninety three or whatever it's called, whatever it is. I'm giving them. I'm giving them. Money. Maybe I'm the one
2: <laughs> paying Barcelona. <laughs> You're financing the deal, mate. You and me, because I'm. Uh, I'm paying my 18 bucks a month for to Spotify too. Listen, Frankie De Jong um, coming to England has been a, a bit of a story over the last couple of seasons. It's it, it's firmly in the camp of I'll believe it when I see it. Now, um, I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility because of Manchester City's money and Barcelona's alleged financial woes. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those ones, you know, the ones that sort of drag on and drag on and drag on and then nothing happens. That's, that's where I'm sitting with this one. Um, I think he'll be a good fit. He's obviously a world-class player, but uh, if it actually happens, I don't know. I'm, I'm doubtful.
1: All right. Uh, Sandra Tonali is leaving AC Milan to join Newcastle United. Newcastle United is, I'm guessing now finally going to start opening up that huge checkbook that they have. Um Hey, look, they're in the Champions League now, so I think that this, there is now a time to start opening up that checkbook and adding a midfielder like Sandro Tonali is, is big for them. Uh, I think that's a good addition for them. Um, I'm still – Newcastle is still an intriguing club for me just because, like, they haven't necessarily, like, splurged. Like, they haven't had that crazy, like, transfer window where they buy, like, a whole team. But mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be interesting for me what Newcastle does. Somehow they have their manager. Like I did not expect to, of all managers that Newcastle would have. I didn't think this guy would be the one that would take him to a Champions League spot, but Hey, it happens. So, uh, but yes, Sandra <laughs> Tonali, Newcastle United.
2: It's interesting that uh, you mentioned the money that Newcastle has. And uh, you know, this guy, it, it, he's a good player. I'm not huge on the Italian league. Um, I'll watch it from time to time when I can. Um AC Milan have been good, not great in in Italy. I mean, I think they won the league last season before last. They they couldn't back it up, though, right? Um, I, I I don't know. There 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 is a bit of a narrative that perhaps Newcastle sort of overpaid for Tonali, but uh, I guess we'll see. We'll see, and uh, they definitely, as good as they were last year, they definitely need some reinforcements if they want to make some noise in the Champions League um, this coming season. So uh, I'm sure this will be the first of many through the door um, for Eddie Howe's team.
1: All right, going back to the Americans, Brendan Aronson is set to join Union Berlin on loan. Um, I don't think Brendan Aronson necessarily has, like, a release clause in in case that they get – in case uh, Leeds United gets relegated. But obviously, Brendan Aronson, for his best interest, needs to be playing in top-tier football. Leeds United has some figuring out to do uh by getting, getting back into the Premier League. But mm-hmm. Union Berlin, it's an interesting move for Brendan Aronson. He'll be reunited with Jordan Pifok, also a U.S. teammate of his. Um, But Union Berlin, I think overall, is just a very interesting situation. Uh Hopefully, Brendan Aronson is able to get some playing time over there in Berlin.
2: So they had quite a good season last year, Union Berlin, didn't they? They, uh, Did they end up – they did end up qualifying for the Champions League? Yeah.
1: Uh, I believe so.
2: Yeah. Well, then, you know, if they're they're playing Champions League football, that's an A-grade move for Brendan Aronson. bit disappointing in the Premier League. Let's face it, Leeds were disappointing in the Premier League last year. I was kind of excited when Aronson made the move over to England. I thought – he could uh, he could sort of make some noise here, but but it didn't sort of eventuate that way. Hopefully, he gets back to his best form um, playing in the Bundesliga and the Champions League.
1: Yep. Continuing on, sticking with Americans, West Ham United is interested in trying to get Tyler Adams uh, over there to London to be Declan Rice's replacement.
2: Not a bad choice. Honestly, Tyler Adams, great player. Uh, I don't know if he's at the Declan Rice level, but uh, players don't just start at that level, I suppose. Um, you know, and chuck him in, Premier League team, and uh, just see how he goes.
1: Yeah, the actual Captain America, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no no shots on, on Christian Pulisic, but I do give respect that he did not he did not let Chelsea uh, use him as a social media stunt, so <laughs> props to him for that one um but continuing on Arda Guler from Fenerbahce has also been termed as the Turkish Mesh. Look, I'm going to say this like you guys really need to stop calling any player any young player the next Messi because it is it is essentially a curse mark. It, it like every player that you have claimed the blank Messi has 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 like never been ever the same. So, but mm-hmm. uh I I have watched a little bit of his film. Mm-hmm. He's tremendously young, um I think very talented, very raw um but he is joining real madrid uh i think it's a i like the move um you know this this team is just getting younger and younger obviously we're moving on from a lot of the older players which they should have done uh last mm-hmm. year but you know they're now doing it i know that they're still looking for a number 9 i'm assuming if we're all assuming the same thing it's supposed to be a certain frenchman that plays for psg right now um <laughs> but yeah real madrid getting the Turkish Messi, which God, I hope he lives up to that name.
2: <laughs> so is this guy actually gonna get game time next season? Is are they gonna throw him straight in or do you think he he'll sort of get eased in?
1: I think he's gonna get eased in. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets loaned out. Um mainly just because of where he plays in the position. There's already mm-hmm. I mean, Real Madrid, it's it's even their bench is loaded. <laughs> so I yeah. mean their bench could probably start anywhere anywhere else. Um mm-hmm. but I think he he's gonna he's gonna maybe maybe make a few Copa Copa del Rey appearances maybe maybe a game that's not necessarily like huge for for Real Madrid. Um, it I think that, that that's that's someone that they're gonna try to like ease into. Um, but you know obviously he gets one year with Ancelotti. Ancelotti is obviously expected to go to to Brazil at the end of the season, and then I believe Xavi Alonso is expected to be the next Real Madrid coach. Um, which that's just I'm, I'm i'm happy about that um so, and i'm not joking doing, i'm actually i'm very happy about that
2: he's doing great things at uh, leverkusen right yeah. it's leverkusen yeah 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 um that, that that that's incredible i know this is sort of off book but ancelotti coaching the brazil team that's that's wild to me man um yep, this summer. guy's just just won trophies in every continent and he's bored of european uh every continent all the big leagues sorry in Europe, and now he's bored of Europe. He's clocked it, so he's he's going to move into international management. Start with Brazil, win a World Cup with them. Head back to Europe, try and win a World Cup with them. I just can't wait till he decides to come to Australia and win a World Cup with us. You know, <laughs> a person
1: could believe. Fortunately, I got. <laughs> a, a, unfortunately, I got Greg Berhalter. So. <laughs> I'm not mad about that. It's not like the U.S. <laughs> U.S. Soccer Federation spent thousands and thousands of dollars on a searching firm to to only bring back the guy that you guys you guys fired. So, <laughs> I'm not mad about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but continuing on, Liverpool, uh, another uh, fan favorite, Liverpool, Roberto Firmino has joined Saudi, the Saudi League as well in Al Ali.
2: I think I think it's a good pickup. I mean it's going to come as a surprise to nobody that uh that knows me um as a Liverpool fan that I I love Roberto Firmino and uh, I was sad to see him go. I think the time was right though and uh I wish him all the best over there in uh live soccer.
1: <laughs> That's probably what they're going to call him they need to. <laughs> um, Brazilian just future star Victor Roque who I believe has been killing it over at Uh, I'm not not sure. No, it's not Flamingo. I think Parmesan, Parmese. Uh, Mm -hmm. He is actually joining Barcelona. So Barcelona going after another young, promising youth player and hopefully being part of that bright future for Barcelona. If ever was here to say something, I'm sure he's just overall just happy that Barcelona is going younger. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, he would prefer a La Macea player, but. I think overall, as long as Barcelona gets young, I think Edward's gonna be happy about that. He he's he's tired of these older players. He's not happy about the gun to gun signing in any way <laughs> or any shape or form. And mind you, he's also a Borussia Dortmund fan.
2: <laughs> so, so
1: so let that sink in for a minute. Um but sticking with Barcelona though, Enigo Martinez is joining Barcelona as well. Uh kind of a guy that has competed very well in, in in La Liga, just a proven player. I think personally, I think is a good a good signing for Barcelona just adds more depth, guy that understands the league. I think that's just Mm -hmm. important overall. But um, once again, where the hell are they getting this money? (laughs)
2: Uh, Like we mentioned about Arsenal um, signing Premier League proven players. Um, I think, as you sort of mentioned there, uh, good business by Barcelona. Just getting a player that knows the league and can uh, hit the ground running um, for the new season.
1: Exactly. Uh, Mason Mount, another – another Chelsea fire cell member um, is leaving Chelsea and joining Manchester United. Uh, obviously we saw all the videos of Mason Mount. Uh, look, look, I'm going to say this is, this is one of the things that I thought hilarious. They had this full on like goodbye video for Mason Mount. Cause obviously came to the Academy, always been a Chelsea fan, all that stuff. And then obviously now is going to be Manchester United's new number seven. And that's not cursing anyway. Um, <laughs> but they do all this for Mason Mount and then Kai Havers is basically, fuck you, you're going to Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> so they did nothing. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the guys I used to work with, with the, with the Dynamo, um, he l- literally was going to go buy a Kai Havers jersey, a Kai Havers Chelsea jersey because it was going to be cheaper. Uh, smart. <laughs> smart for that. It's smart.
2: Very smart, yeah. Which is impressively
1: smart because he's also, like, very young, like, early 20s and so I'm like man this kid's smarter than me than when I was in my 20s but (laughs) but he was gonna go get a Kai Havertz couldn't find a Kai Havertz jersey anywhere in in the Chelsea like online store but you could go get a Mason Mount jersey which is so so I was like all right right. one props to Chelsea for being loyal I mean okay Manchester United is fine I guess but I guess Arsenal hell no
2: yeah (laughs) this is how plastic club Treats its uh, Champions League winner. You know, he scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. And then, uh, you know, just out the door, see you later. Listen, I don't know if I'm going to offend anybody here, but fuck Chelsea. I hope they stay in the bottom half of the Premier League forever. They're, They're a shit club, so... Yeah, Mason Mount anyway to Manchester United. Uh, interesting move. Interesting move. Um, I'm not quite sure. Once again, we talked off, Mike, about the Arsenal midfield um, rebuild and how we're not sort of sure where all the pieces are going to fit. Um, I feel that times 10 with the Manchester United rebuild. Um, I'm not sure what they're trying to achieve there. they got Christian Eriksen. they got Bruno Fernandes. And now they've got Mason Mount too. Um, Can't forget about Fred yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll, i'm not too sure um how that's going to work mason mount good player um i hope he i hope he does well just not too well
1: there, there we go i'm surprised he didn't go where frank Lampard is maybe you yeah, know because that he definitely play there um <laughs> so psg they send Xavi simmons over to psv that's a fucking confusing sentence to say. <laughs> so they send him over to PSV. He goes and just balls out over at PSV, actually under Ruud Van Nistelrooy as his coach. Mm-hmm. Um, has an amazing season. Well, PSG realized they made a terrible mistake. But <laughs> what that thing that's crazy about how brilliant PSG was at this moment, just this moment, not, not, not any other occasion. Um, <laughs> they, they had a buyback clause, which is kind of similar. A lot of clubs do this. Real Madrid is notorious for this. Um, but there's a lot of clubs that do do this. But the fact that they were able to get Shawty Simmons, who I'm pretty sure his value has risen from just doing so well in, in PSV and in, in the Air Divisie, but activated a six million buyback clause. So, whatever they whatever Shawty Simmons was worth, it they literally got Shavi Simmons back for the fraction of a cost. Which was funny, me and everyone we talked about his transfer over to PSV last year, goddamn last year. Well, I mean, mm. only, only one fucking season, but. <laughs> um, we were just like amazed by this because this is one of the players that I was, would like to see maybe one day play for Barcelona. And mm-hmm. beca- and, and me and him had like we're, I was just dumbfounded because he mentioned how Sh- Xavi Simmons was named after Xavi. And mm-hmm. I was just like, you mean to tell me that Xavi's whole uh, like his whole career is also the existence of Xavi Simmons? And just, <laughs> like, yeah, and I'm trying to I was trying to fact check them because I I just couldn't believe that. This kid. This kid, his parents like saw a very young Xavi. Like, the, the, the logic has to be like early in Xavi's career. Saw Xavi and was like, Dan, this kid's gonna be good. I'm gonna name my child after him. And so I'm like, <laughs> like, this kid was born roughly around when Xavi started out playing. And so I'm just like. Where the fuck is this logic?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I was just
1: unfounded by that. That was just my, that was my TED talk right there. But yeah, PSG, <laughs> smart business right there.
2: Absolutely. Um, not really known for the uh, smartest of business moves. They're more of a, uh, here's a blank check, ride on a what you want sort of thing. So this is a, uh, this is a nice change and he's going to be great in uh, at PSG this coming season.
1: All right, we're going to finally talk some MLS. Inter-Miami is actually interested in trying to bring in Eden Hazard. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody interested in Eden Hazard. Um,
2: <laughs> Wasn't that long ago you boys were interested in Eden Hazard, mate? I was um, not. Imagine- <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw me in that pile. <laughs> yeah, listen, um, I, I guess this is this is the next logical step for uh, Eden Hazard. Um after having a dreadful time at Real Madrid.
1: Don't blame him. Lost his job to Vinicius. So <laughs> that's his own damn fault. But sticking with MLS, so Rodolfo Pizarro currently plays for Inter Miami. If anybody wants to know how MLS works, which I'm still kind of trying to grasp that that whole thing. um. <laughs> You're allowed to have three designated players that don't go towards your salary cap. So these guys you can spend as much as much as as much as you want on salary and it doesn't affect the salary cap in any way. Obviously, you just got Lionel Messi. They're working on they got Sergio Busquets. I think they're working on Jordi Alba. Apparently now mm-hmm. they want to get Eden Hazard. I'm like goddamn how are they going to afford this? But obviously, you're only allowed to have three designated players. Messi's always, guaranteed could be on there. But Rodolfo Pizarro, who at one point thought was going to be the next best Mexican player. That didn't pan out too well. Um, (laughs) So they need, they need a clear spot for a designated player. And Rodolfo Pizarro is the bottom man on the totem pole because I needs to give up that number 10 and, Mm -hmm. and Rodolfo Pizarro is on the chopping block for, for inner Miami. I do believe that LA galaxy is interested in him, but I just heard that AK, some team from Europe. I, I don't remember which one. What what? what Aek was it? But it, he's also getting interest from from Europe. But Rodolfo Pizarro should be on the move from Inter Miami.
2: Yeah, I guess it just makes sense. Um, they bring in uh, essentially the Barcelona team from from you know in the mid to mid two thousand tens two thousand tens. So Shoot, I, heard, I heard. I heard
1: Iniesta also was in that rumor. I'm like, fuck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought up Iniesta. He just finished up in uh, with the Japanese club he was playing yeah. for. Did you see the stadium-wide tifo they did for him?
1: That was that was just amazing. He should just retire, but apparently, he wants yeah. to take his talents to South Beach as well. So, <laughs> so continuing on, Milan, Milan Screener joining PSG. Uh, PSG going for experienced players. I'm guessing right now, especially in mm-hmm. in the in the back end. Uh, Marco Asensio is joining PSG as well. Uh, I think this is a really good move for them. Actually, I I do like Marco Asensio. Unfortunately, he's just not going to be playing now because that the, the the wing is going to the attack. Uh, depending if they do get this this French striker from PSG uh, over in Real Madrid, because uh, it's it's making it it's making it or break it. The time at this point for that guy. Um, but you're talking about a front three that would consist of. Vinicius Jr. and now Rodrigo, who is finally going to be getting that starting that starting role on the other side of the wing. Um they got the set, you know, obviously Vinicius is the new number seven for Real Madrid, and Rodrigo mm-hmm. just became the new number eleven. So I mean Ramage is clearly committed to those guys. Uh so Marco Sanchez is just he's just not there. He's not part of Madrid's future. But I think going to PSG, make a boatload of money, not win the Champions League. But it's okay. He's already won the Champions League, so he doesn't need that. So, I think, personally, it's a good move for Marco Asensio.
2: Surplus the requirements. Um, I'm a fan of Marco Asensio as well. Um, it's a shame he's not coming to play in England, but uh, that's another conversation for another day.
1: Yep. Stegman PSG, they also are interested in bringing in Osman Dembele, which I don't know how many times I've heard that PSG is interested in Osman Dembele. I mean, they've said it so many times. Um Maybe they get him, maybe they don't. I don't fucking know. If, at this point, do it before he gets injured again.
2: Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, we're going to have some fun here. You're going to enjoy this, Hector. That transfer window um, when Barcelona bought Osman Dembele and Felipe Continuo, has there been like a bigger waste of money in world football ever? The amount of money that they spent on those two players, almost a quarter of a billion dollars they spent on bringing those two players in just a absolute waste of money and you know it dembele talented maybe he goes to psg and he sets the world on fire i highly doubt it but yeah just uh just incredible lack of foresight from barcelona there um with those two transfer moves in the same window as well
1: yeah it was that was an insane time who would have and then what they loaned they loaned uh, Coutinho out to go to to Bayern Munich and then wins the Champions League with Bayern Munich <laughs> against
2: them, right? Against them,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's a that's poetic, right there.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Speaking of poetic, Granit Xhaka is now leaving Arsenal, thank God, and he's joining Bayer Leverkusen. So,
2: Granit Xhaka hasn't earned any brownie points after his stellar season last year. He's still on the uh, hate Granit Xhaka train?
1: It, it it went from a hate to a dislike, um. Yeah. So I mean, progress, I guess. But I just, I've just never been a fan of Granite Xhaka. I've said it plenty of times. He'll score an amazing banger of a goal, but then get red carded the next game. Um. Mm-hmm. So it's just been, I mean, I think he's he earned his respect back. Um. Obviously, he's. I believe he got to captain a few times when Odegaard was taking off the taking off the match. Uh. But mm-hmm. I just. It's just, for me, I just never valued him that much. Every time I play FIFA with Arsenal, the first thing I do is sell Granit Xhaka. So, I mean, <laughs> like, is he a good player? Yes, I think he's actually a very good player, but I just never thought he was a good fit for Arsenal. Um, and um, and now he's going to Bayer Leverkusen, which I'm sure he's going to kill it over there in the Bundesliga, um, for sure. But, yeah, I, I have... It, it it turned from a hate to now a dislike. So I mean, progress. Maybe one day, maybe one day I'll like him.
2: And now he's out the door. He's off to the German League, so to play under Javi Alonso. So that's interesting. Go. Yeah.
1: So Ricardo Pepe obviously goes over to FC Augsburg from FC Dallas. Doesn't get much playing time at FC Augsburg. So then goes to the Air Divisi for Groningen, who got relegated. Really no, no, mm. no real connection on that one. But. <laughs> Um, he was killing it over there for ground again with scoring goals, found himself again, got dissed by Greg Berhalter by not getting selected for the World Cup. Not one of my few gripes that I have with, with him, aside from how he treated Arena. uh But obviously, you know, he didn't want to go back to Augsburg because he knew he just wasn't going to play much over there. So he ends up getting a move to go back to the Eredivisie to play for PSV, um, which I think is a really good move for him. He's, gonna, he's already comfortable with the league. He already is familiar with it. And obviously, if everybody knows, the Eredivisie is one of the best leagues for development because the next step is always going to be English Premier League, La Liga. It's usually a lot of these players go out to go do even better things in the Eredivisie. So I think Ricardo Pepe is making a smart move for himself. Maybe takes a step down, goes down to a lower league, some may say. But I think he's. this is the right league for him. And when he gets better, he's gonna get some, he's gonna go play for a bigger club. And I, I, I truly believe that he has that quality. Um and now he has to add, now there's a lot more pressure for him because that that striker room right now for, for the US, you're talking about Ricardo Pepe. H- Jesus Ferreira is killing it right now in, in Gold Cup. I mean, mind mm-hmm. you, yes, it's gold cup. But uh and then doing it against Caribbean teams. Um but <laughs> and then Florian Balogun. Also a very threatening presence now in, in that in that attack. Josh Sargent, you know you sh- you can't forget that kid. So the striker uh-huh. the striker options right now for us is is very bountiful. So I mean Ricardo Pepe has got to take advantage of his opportunities when he does.
2: Absolutely, uh, I'll keep this short and sweet. I think this is a great move for Ricardo Pepe. Uh I think he's going to score a hatful of goals for uh, PSV and uh, establish himself as the US men's national team number nine.
1: All right. The last Chelsea fire sale, and it is official. On this day, it is happening. It did happen. The jersey's on them. Everything signed. Trisha Pulisic is now part of AC Milan. From what I've heard, it's a lot of a healthier situation versus Chelsea. Chelsea was just using, wanting to use him as some sort of gimmick, Captain America thing. Uh, Christian Pulisic wanted to focus mostly on soccer. And what's crazy is the times that he did play for – and actually did get to play for Chelsea, he actually did very well. Obviously, mm-hmm. injuries happened for him, but he was just never the the first choice at his position. Then, of course, we had those weird – where they played him in a weird position. All that I, – I, I digress. The Chelsea period was just a nightmare for Christian Pulisic. Um, did get a Champions League trophy out of it, but now he's going to AC Milan, where it seems like the club is very set on making him part of this team. Um, specifically being the number 10 for, for AC Milan. So I think a healthier situation and a place where he's definitely going to play with a very young, exciting AC Milan team that wants to improve. I mean, they're getting better each season, in my opinion, obviously two, two seasons ago, won the Serie A. And then Mm -hmm. last year was literally one game away from making it to the Champions League final. So I think this is a great move for Christian Pulisic.
2: Yeah. Great move. Um, he really needs to reinvigorate his career. Obviously, like you mentioned, the Chelsea stint was a nightmare for Christian Pulisic. Huge fan of this player. I know I said fuck Chelsea before, but um, Christian Pulisic, great player, um, and I really hope he resurrects his career in Italy. And I think he's in a uh, in a perfect position to do it over there at AC Milan.
1: Yeah, and then the last last transfer rumor is. Dave, well, not rumor. It actually happened. David De Gea is leaving Manchester United. Um, so Manchester United, I believe, are now going all in for Onana from Inter Milan. Uh, but David De Gea's time with Man U is officially done. And don't know where he's going from here. But I probably would say I would love to see him back in Spain. Uh, but obviously, mm-hmm. Atletico Madrid doesn't really need him. Real Madrid has Thibaut Courtois. And, I mean, Barcelona has, well, has, you know, Marta Sagan, who was the best goalkeeper in, in there. So... It's going to be interesting to see where David De Gea decides to go. Um, but, I mean, he, his time in top-level football is still way ahead of him. You know, with goalkeepers, age isn't necessarily the issue. Obviously, experience is going to be very important. And then David De Gea, a lot of great experience, and obviously still very physically capable of being a top
2: goalkeeper. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where David De Gea ends up. Um, it was a bit weird how it was sort of announced. It was rumoured for a while. And then he tweeted out of nowhere that he was leaving Manchester United before the club could uh, could say anything. Um, so, obviously, um, unable to agree on a new deal, I suppose. Now they're in for Inanna, who I think is a fantastic goalkeeper. I think he'll be great for Manchester United, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, interesting. I'm not sure where David De Gea ends up. It'd be hilarious if he, uh, turns out for Luton Town in the Premier League next season.
1: Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but all right, man, we're going to talk about the 2022 Women's World Cup. It is, it is, we're close. We're super close to it. Um, like I said, man, uh, Stewart is having a podcast that he's particularly going to be covering Australia's run, which. Obviously, awesome is going to be happening right in your backyard, Uh which that's going to be me in a couple of years with the Men's World Cup. Um, But before we talk about the Women's World Cup, I want to talk about our great partners at Cannadibs. Cannadibs is a great tasting, superior alternative to traditional dip using CBD in a way that is radical, enjoyable, and effective. It comes in five core flavors, wintergreen, m- mint, citrus, mango, and American spice crafted and manufactured in Humboldt County, California, the heart of the cannabis industry. Look, true... Traditional dip is just disgusting. It's a disgusting habit. It's messy. And it's super fucking old. As someone that has dipped before in his life, I can tell you, it's just it's just disgusting. And no one wants to be around you when you're dipping. So, the thing that's great about Canada dip CBD is it is 100% American grown hemp. And it has an amazing water, water dispersible tech that absorbs rapidly. And it also delivers CBD through the mouth that no one else has ever done where you can actually enjoy it. So, if you guys use the code BELLYUP20... On CanadibCBD.com, you'll save yourself 20% off your purchase. So thank again, for being presenting partner of this discussion
2: for the Women's World Cup. Yeah, I might have to get some American spice. Anyway, let's uh let's move into the Women's World Cup, Hector. Um, this is uh, like you mentioned, in my backyard. It is it is very exciting. Uh, once again, I'll set off Mike. I live in the desert at the moment. Worst time to move to the desert because uh There's no games happening out here, unfortunately. Hopefully, I can get back to one of the capital cities and and catch some of them. But listen, the Women's World Cup, man, um, they're calling it the biggest women's international sporting tournament ever. Um, Games are sold out left, right and centre. Australia is going to kick off our team. They're called the Matildas. They're going to kick off against the Republic of Ireland in front of 85,000 people at Stadium Australia. Um, the anticipation is, is is just huge here. Um, where do you want to start, man?
1: All right. So for people that don't know, here are the groups. In Group A, you have New Zealand, who's also uh, hosting this as well, which is currently ranked 26th in FIFA rankings. Norway in 12th in FIFA rankings. The Philippines currently ranked 46th. Switzerland in 20th in the FIFA rankings. Group B is Stewart's Australia, currently 10th. In the FIFA rankings, I think they should probably be a little bit higher, not trying to be biased here in any way. Um, Canada in seventh with the go, Christine Sinclair. Nigeria in 40th. Ireland in 22nd, which Australia, Ireland, Ireland, look forward to that one. Are you Scottish or you have part? Are you part Scottish or part Irish? I forgot.
2: Uh, part Irish, mate, and so, but Northern Ireland, not the Republic of Ireland. Okay. So no, no worries about who I'll be supporting uh, when the World Cup kicks off. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, Group C has Costa Rica in thirty-six, Japan in eleventh, Spain at six, Zambia at seventy-seven, which I believe is actually the lowest-ranked uh, team in this tournament. In Group D, you have China in fourteenth, Denmark in thirteenth. England in fourth and Haiti in 53rd. Group B consists of Netherlands in ninth, Portugal in 21st. The queens of this tournament for the past three World Cups, USA first overall, obviously, and Vietnam in 32nd. Group F has Brazil in eighth, France in fifth, Jamaica 43rd, Panama 52nd. In Group G, we have Argentina 28th currently ranked, Italy. South Africa, Italy's in 16th. South Africa, I forgot to put down there where they're ranked. Uh, Sweden <laughs> in third. In Group H, you have Colombia ranked 25th, Germany ranked 20, uh, second, South Korea ranked 17th, and Morocco ranked 72nd. So this is a free, really loaded, very open. I think, especially because there's a lot of highly ranked teams in this tournament. Um, Mexico, of course, you did not make it to the to the World Cup. Um, there's actually quite a few countries that maybe are you're surprised to see that aren't in this tournament. But before we even get to that, man, to, for you, Stuart, what is the story you're going to follow? Obviously, Australia is going to be what you're going to follow. But uh, what's yeah. what's another storyline that you may be excited to to follow through this World Cup?
2: Okay, so there is a few. Obviously, Australia, Sam Kerr, arguably one of the best players in the world at the moment, just wins everywhere she goes. The pressure is huge for the Matildas. The pressure is huge specifically on Sam Kerr. Um, and just talk about the Matildas. Hayley Rasso just signed for Real Madrid, first Australian player to ever, man or woman to ever be signed for Real Madrid. Um, Mad to get her so jersey. To <laughs> It's going to be big news. Um, so that's, that's massive. Obviously that sort of goes without saying, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not counting out. There's a scenario where we maybe face England in the round of 16, which uh, could make things a little bit tricky, but uh, if, if things don't go well for Australia, um, the pressure is only just going to ramp up. And uh, if things do go well for Australia, um, the pressure is going to ramp up in a different way. So um you know, pressure is a privilege, as they say. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they react to that. There's never been anything like this. I've been a soccer fan in Australia since the late 80s. And uh, this is the biggest, even bigger than 2006 when uh, the men qualified for the World Cup for the first time in 32 years. Um, this is bigger than that. It, it, it is just massive here. So it'll be interesting to see how they sort of react to the uh, to the pressure. Um, it's it's going to be incredible. But a few other things that I want to talk about: there are eight debutant teams in this World Cup. Um, it's the first time that they've ever had 32 teams in a women's World Cup. So just off the, I can't remember them all, but Haiti, Zambia, the Philippines, uh, I think Portugal as well, uh, uh, playing in their first Women's World Cup too. So that's going to be sort of fascinating. There's a lot of X-factor teams in there that that you know they're, they're sort of unknown quantities in uh, in the Women's World Cup, and it'll be interesting to see how they sort of react to the tournament pressure. I suppose, and uh, you know, you and I know, I'm, I know you've watched plenty of World Cups, Hector. Um, there's always upsets, you know, there's always teams that you think are going to do well that, that sort of stumble over the blocks. And then there's uh teams that you just never saw coming just sort of, uh, shocking the world, I suppose. So um, that'll be interesting. I think Jamaica is probably one to keep an eye on in that regard. Not that they're debutants or anything, but uh, they got a really talented team. And uh, I can't remember what you said their ranking was, somewhere in the 40s. And they're in a tough group too with Brazil and France. But uh, if you're looking for a team to maybe just have a bit of a sneaky bet on, um, Jamaica might be one, just just chuck 10 bucks on them to make it out of the group stage. That could, uh, that could be something uh, worth having a look at um sorry if i'm talking too much man um all good but uh <laughs> england um a lot of pressure on them great team lots of injuries though and the squad will have a massively different makeup to uh the squad that won the euros in 2022 also, they're not in great form. Um, they recently lost to Australia, which I loved, 2-0. Um, and then they lost to Portugal in their World Cup send-off match. Uh, no, they didn't lose. It was a draw. It was a 0-0 draw. So they actually haven't scored a goal in their last three fixtures. So bit of pressure on them. Can they back up winning the Euros? Can they be the first women's team to do the Euro World Cup double? Um you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. And uh, I can tell, I can tell by the look on your face, Hector. This is what you want to talk about. The United States Women's National Team, just fucking full of superstars. Um, if they don't make the final or the semi-final, I will be very surprised. Um, And can they go again? Can they win? I think this would be their third in a row if they could win uh, the Women's World Cup here. So they're probably the biggest talking points there on the USWNT. Maybe you can sort of illuminate me. We were joking around about watching uh, highlights packages of players. Um, I've done quite a bit of that with the Women's World Cup stuff that we've been doing over at Um And one player that's really piqued my interest is a player that goes by the name of Sophia Smith. Do you know about Sophia Smith, Victor?
1: Sophie Smith is a beast. That's all I got to say about that one. Um, no, she's really good and a uh, very intriguing player. I think uh, kind of talking about the U.S. Women's National Team, it's a, it's, this is, weirdly enough, you're saying, like, they should be right on the course, that, you know, the standard is the standard when it comes to U.S. Women's National Team. But uh-huh. it's also probably a fairly new team in some sense uh-huh. as well. You know, obviously, Carly Lloyd is not, is, is retired. We're also, yep. my, another thing to follow is this is Megan Rapino's last World Cup as well. And uh-huh. so that's going to be a good storyline. But, you know, now we're going to see the Rose Lavelles, uh the Sophie Schmidt, the Trinity Rodman's, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing, seeing what they do. I know this is going to be a big one, especially for me being a big Trinity Rodman fan, not because her, her father was one of the greatest rebounders of all time in NBA's history, (laughs) but I mean, she's also has made her own right. I mean, uh, NWSL rookie of the year wins in her first season, wins the uh, NWSL cup. So, I mean, she's in her own way, definitely building her own legacy. And that's one of the stories that I definitely want to follow is Trinity Rodman how she creates her own legacy uh, and move more pass away from her father's shadow. But mm-hmm. the U S women's national team is definitely some of the, some of the players from, from we're, we're familiar with obviously Alex Morgan and all that, but what is those guys are kind of more, those girls are, I don't know why I say guys, those girls are more towards the end, the end of their time with the national team. And it's going to be, what are these new players going to do and how do mm-hmm. they continue to steer the course when it comes to the standard of U S women's national team? So I do agree. the US, USA, they should be able to walk away with it. But you're also talking about a fairly new team. So we're going to see how that how those little changes will do uh, for this World Cup. Um, also, uh, Something that I actually want to follow is definitely going to be like we're talking about the last World Cup for a lot of these players. Martha, you know, mm-hmm. being one of those players, like how does Brazil send her off? Right. Um, you know, Canada has Christine Sinclair. I don't know how long this woman's going to be playing, but uh, (laughs) I mean, she's, she's also a legend in her her own way, but, uh, definitely keeping track of like a lot of these women, that are kind of near the tail end of their careers, uh, is one that I'm very intrigued by. And you mentioned England. Yeah. England definitely coming in, in a rough patch, but you know, they did win a very big tournament for them in the Euro. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and what can they do to capitalize off of that, which I mean. I don't think they're definitely in a tougher group in my opinion. Yep.
2: Absolutely. It's so. one of the, uh, it's one of the groups of death. Actually I've got pegged down as a group of death, England, Denmark, and China are all in the top 15 of the FIFA world rankings. And mm-hmm. then Haiti is one of those debutants. And like we discussed before, you know, there's always a debutante or, you know, a bit of a smoky team that sort of throws up a bit of a, uh, unexpected challenge. Um, so yeah, Particularly given the group that they're in, it's going to be a difficult one for them.
1: I agree. I would also throw in Group E in there. I think mm-hmm. I think the Dutch, USA, Portugal, Portugal is going to be an interesting interesting country. You're saying that this is their first first Women's World Cup as well, and it probably could be the fact that they're benefiting from a lar- to having a larger scale World Cup, which is also cool to highlight for Australia the fact that you guys are hosting this well hosting along with New Zealand. But it's also the newly expanded Women's World Cup, so
2: yeah, it's uh, it's going to be crazy, man. Like I said, the uh, the hype meter is, is is sort of off the scale at the moment. I think we're seven seven days out, six days out from the competition kicking off. Everywhere you go, even out here in the desert, people are talking about the Women's World Cup. I wanted to ask you, Hector what what is the hype like been over there in the states, mate, for
1: the Women's World Cup? Yeah, yeah. Um I think obviously the the fact that we're talking about the women's national team uh to quote the great alexi lawless if you're gonna come at the queen if you're gonna come at the queen aim for her head I think that's gonna be um it's it's yeah lexi lawless what a what a quote machine he is <laughs> um but i mean it uh, until proven differently, I think that's always gonna be the the message when it comes to World Cup is all right you if you're gonna bring us down, you better make sure you take us all out and i think uh. <laughs> Like, if, if the Dutch or Portugal or even Vietnam, if they have a chance to even get USA out, I mean, make sure that you can keep it out of reach because we know what these players can do, what they're capable of. Of they've, they've done it all. They've won tremendously through big leads. They've also been able to keep it close. They've also been able to come back. So, I mean, if there's one thing that this team is, is just experience all throughout. And I feel like there's something that they haven't they haven't seen they haven't seen anything new, so I think is for these countries, and I think that's what the 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 U.S. fans in general are excited about. It's just once again seeing this team just dominate like they do in every single World Cup.
2: Absolutely, and interesting that uh, U.S. and Netherlands, I believe, played off in the final in 2019. So we've got two finalists in the same group. Yep,
1: yep. Yeah. It's definitely gonna be interesting. All right, so dark horses. Are you gonna stick with Jamaica?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'll stick with Jamaica. I think they are a bit of a dark horse. I don't think they're a dark horse to win, but I think they're definitely going to uh, oh, upset spoiler. some. Spoiler. Gonna ups...
1: <laughs> okay, spoiler.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Um. All right. I, I, so I'll I'll give you that. You can pick your spoiler, and then also have a dark horse that could probably win it. So your spoiler. Uh, okay. Your spoiler
2: my spoiler. Is is, yeah, yeah. My spoiler is Jamaica. Um, I guess a dark horse correct me if I'm wrong here Hector but uh, does Australia qualify as a dark horse to win this? Qualified 10th in the world? Backyard World Cup? I don't know I'll
1: I i, I, I say, I'll allow it I'll, the reason why I say that is because I I think people for sometimes I mean obviously you know it because you you, you follow Australia but I think a lot of people end up overlooking Australia mm-hmm. at times. I know that a little bit more back before uh, Samantha Kerr I know that this team was definitely up there uh, for, yep. for a long time. And I mean, Australia is still up there. It's not like that, but I think people just have forgotten about that. Even though now you have Samantha Kerr, who is now the one of the cover athletes for FIFA and, and, you know, being considered one of the best players in the world in, in her group. Um, but I think people forget about that sometimes about Australia. So I, 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 I think Australia is, a, is actually a really good dark horse.
2: Okay. Well, that's who I'll go with men. Who have you got? What have you got, mate? Let us know. So my spoiler
1: wow this is this is like such a <laughs> such a huge thing. Um you know actually for me I think the spoiler
2: is Nigeria. Okay. I think they've qualified that that, for they've qualified for every single World Cup Nigeria. I didn't know that until and, a uh,
1: and group B is a I think also a very very tough group um, mm-hmm. as well. But I think Obviously, Canada and Australia are like the two heavy favorites, I would assume, for Group B. Yep. Um, But I think Nigeria could play spoiler for either Canada or Australia to win the group out and mm-hmm. maybe have to go and try to compete for that runner-up spot. So I think Nigeria will be the spoiler for me in this tournament because their group is very pivotal. I think it's, it, it could be very just having either australia or canada as a runner up could definitely change that side of the bracket because you're yep. you're talking about two really good countries so i mean so i think nigeria could definitely play spoiler there but my dark horse um i'm going to say sweden
2: okay yep fantastic squad sweden's got
1: they have a really good squad i mean I think it's so hard because you're going to all like when people think of women's soccer, especially here in the United States, they always think about USA women's. So they don't necessarily see what other countries have to offer. I think a lot of these countries are very talented. And I think Sweden doesn't get talked about enough, um, Mm -hmm. even though they're third in the the FIBA (laughs) rankings. Um, So, I mean, like, I think, I think that there, and if there's one thing about Sweden, I feel like the women's and the men's team Play very similar methodologies, mm-hmm. which is very well structured. They have a lot of height. <laughs> yep. So I think Sweden um, definitely could be a force in this tournament.
2: Yeah, I think that's a solid pick, man. Fridolina Rolfo is a uh, superstar, and it would not surprise me at all if she is walking up that winners' dais um, at the end. Well, I guess it would surprise me because it's a dark horse, but you know what I mean. I yeah. think uh, I think she'd be she'd be great. Yeah.
1: All right, so fair. I mean, obviously, you guys know my favorite is gonna be USA. Still <laughs> 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 proven wrong, like I said, Alexis Laws. If you're gonna bring if you're gonna take down the queen, make sure we're taking down fully. So, I mean, aim for the head. So, you, yeah. you quote the quote Daniels, you should have gone for the head. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think the USA are the favorites here. Um, I just spoke before about Sweden, how I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if Sweden were walking up that winner's dais because I, I, I'm, I'm finding it tough. And this is tough for me to say as an Australian, I'm finding it tough to to see a scenario where the USA don't, uh, don't win the trophy to be honest. So
1: yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so the women's world cup, it's going to be the 20th, correct?
2: Uh, yes. Yes. Starting the 20th.
1: All right. July 20th women's world cup kicks off. Um, Obviously, go ahead and check out Stewart. He'll be covering it. We'll we'll do our best to cover the Women's World Cup. Um, obviously, if you, if we're not doing a good job, make sure you guys check out Woso Digital Media. She Mackenzie always does a great job showing out for women's soccer and, of course, Women Kickballs, two really great. Uh, I believe, actually, Women Kickballs will be in Australia to to be there for the World Cup. So um, she'll do, be doing her due diligence to cover the women's game over there. But Women Kickballs and Woso Digital Media, two places we always recommend. Obviously, if you guys want to see what Australia is doing, Stewart has you covered. Um, if you guys you want to go ahead and show out, show, yeah. shout out all your yourself.
2: Absolutely. Works digital media is fantastic. I just want to say. Um, been listening, watching, getting a lot of information from over there. So definitely check that out. Australian World Cup Podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Australia WC pod, um, definitely listen to it. We'll be covering everything in the tournament. It is going to be huge. Also, check out Edge of the Crowd. Um, it's your place to be for Women's World Cup information, Um, We've been doing a 70-day countdown, and uh, there's just information on every team you could pro- possibly imagine um, over there. So if you need to sort of read up and, 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 and dust up on your knowledge of the Vietnam Women's National Team, um, that's the place to do it.
1: All right, man. So thank you so much, man. And uh, we got—I gotta make—I gotta be better and make sure that to to bring you along more, man. Uh, so always, <laughs> always let me know when you're available, bro. I'll definitely try to shake something up with you.
2: Absolutely, man. Maybe we'll get you over on the World Cup pod while the competition's happening.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Cheers. All right, man. Thank you again, to Stuart for coming in. Very clutch, man. I wish we we could. Talk more, man. Uh, once again, check out his podcast, man. Check out all his stuff. Follow him on Twitter. We'll go ahead and give him some love out there on social media as well. But, uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much, man. Came in clutch. But we do have a debate topic and the debate topic is kind of re- talking about US soccer and that is, uh, Jesus Ferreira. And the fact is, is there a disrespect on Jesus Ferreira? And the reason why I'm bringing this up is obviously the striker talk, right? With the U.S. men's national team, the the constant question of who is truly the number nine for USA? And it, it's always, you know, Ricardo Pepe, now Florian Balogun, uh, Josh Sargent, Jordan P. all these names, but there's always one name that's kind of like, yeah, but okay, kind of pushed to the side. And that is obviously Jesus Ferreira, who currently plays in FC Dallas and has been killing it over there in MLS. Um, and there was recently an interview with Reggie Cannon. If you guys don't know Reggie Cannon, right back, uh, U.S. men's national team player. Hasn't really been playing that much lately with the U.S. Just because the right back position is kind of very much loaded. Um, but so he was in an interview with Hercules Gomez. Uh, maybe one day we can get an interview with with Herc. Uh, but uh, and talking about Jesus Ferreira, like does Jesus Ferreira need to go to Europe? And you know Reggie cannon basically said it that for his development he development he does need to go to Europe and compete in that level um I understand that he you know m l s you wanna try to bring m l s up to a certain standard and it it like i said the the well not like I said, but like the thing is with the m l s it's still very young, it's still developing, but like a lot of countries also have that same idea that like Hey, if we have some top players in the world, let's get them to Europe. I mean, how many Brazilian players stay in Brazil? Um, you know, so like, especially a lot of these, like, you got like 16 year olds now going to Europe from Brazil. So it, for, for people to think that you need to improve your league, your, the league needs the players, these players need to stay in their leagues and in their, in their home leagues. It, like, it's, it's ridiculous because we know the level where the where the money is where the le- the level of play is is all in Europe obviously specifically English Premier League La Liga Serie A Bundesliga like those leagues like they need to go there and elevate their careers and the the thing is with Jesus Ferreira is yes he is doing amazing and then the times that he's been called up with the US men's national team he's done fairly well for himself and obviously there is more attention towards Jesus Ferreira now because of the Gold Cup. He you know he's he's scored he scored back-to-back hat tricks. Take it with a grain of salt though. He was playing against uh I believe it was uh St. Kitts and Nevis, and I think the, the other hat trick was from Trinidad and Tobago. So once again, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, yes, the level opponent should be something to be considered, but Jesus Ferreira has been your more consistent scorer as far as for the USA. Um, at least recently, but I think the reason why Jesus Ferreira is, it's such at the bottom of the tournament, pole, because I don't think he's necessarily a traditional nine. Um, you know, a lot, you know, people have thrown the label false nine to, to Jesus Ferreira. Some people say maybe a cam. Um, and so, and I get that logic but like when you're talking about a true traditional nine, you're talking about guys like Ricardo Pepe, Florida Battlegun, uh, Jordan Pog, um essentially the Robert Lewandowski mold, the Harry Kane mold. You know, that's what people are talking about when they're looking at traditional nine. And in US men's national teams, history with that number nine position, usually of a bigger body forward that can maybe bully a lot of this CONCACAF competition it, it, you like a Josie Altidore is probably like the prime example of, like that, I think that's necessarily the mold that what the U.S. looks for in a striker um which a lot of people thought that maybe Jordan P. Fogg or Daryl DK would probably be able to fill right fill that role right in um obviously that didn't pan out but now you got guys like Florea Balogun and Ricardo Pepe so is there a disrespect on Jesus Ferreira I think there is a level of disrespect because the fact is that the argument is that he plays in the MLS. So, like, he needs to level up his competition. And then when you look at what he's done with the U.S. Men's National Team, he's scoring goals again like, he scored goals against, San, uh, you know, St. Kitts and Nevis and, and Trinidad Tobago. Like, that's who he scored the hat-tricks on. And, like, right now, Trinidad Tobago has, hasn't really been, like, that good of a team in recent years and St. and Nevis, I mean, is not a team that we normally see a lot in the gold cup. Um, but you know, when we saw him against Jamaica, very quiet, um, Canada, he was pretty quiet in Canada as well. Um, I mean, shoot, not to be spoiler, but like the Panama game, you know, he, he did score a goal, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he also missed the penalty. I'm not, and I, this isn't me disrespecting Jesus Ferreira in any way. I do think that there's some quality in him. Um, I just don't think that for the, for what the U.S. is looking for at a nine, I don't think he, he, he meets that criteria. Uh, unfortunately. Um, and it's not being a hiatus or, or anything. He just, <clears throat> he's just a different type of player. I think if you were to use Jesus Ferreira, you would have to completely change your concept for the for the attack, because you can't just use the l- utilization of set pieces, um, would be a little bit different when it comes to a guy like Jesus Um uh, Whereas maybe like a Brandon Vasquez, you can use him more in that position, um, because of just his height and in general, that's kind of what the benefit, the benefits of a big, bo- large body, uh, nine benefits for the u.s is because of the fact that they do like to send the ball in through crosses and um so and i think that's just something that jesus ferreira doesn't necessarily i mean i'm sure he's capable of doing it but i think nine you know would you, who would you rather have would you rather have jesus ferreira do it or would you rather have ricardo pepe or or florian balagan in that position and so i think that's the The situation. So, I don't necessarily think that there's a disrespect for Jesus Ferreira. I think it's just, it's just the reality that I don't think he, he necessarily meets the criteria of what some people feel is the number nine. Yes, he needs to go to Europe and maybe prove those doubters wrong about him. I think that's one thing that he needs to do. Me, look, for me, a number nine size isn't necessarily the most important thing. I think that there is other attributes to a, a good number nine um it's not always going to be height you just have if you're going to play with a essentially a smaller nine you just have to change up how you're going how your approach is for the attack maybe it's building building through the middle not necessarily building through the wings and i mean the u.s that's literally what they do is build through the wings so if they end up building through the middle and you know kind of tiki-taka in some sense then a player like jesus Federa could definitely flourish but in the style that the u.s uses i just don't think that he fits that criteria and i mean you can still you can even throw in like well he doesn't necessarily have to be always there for the crosses because we got guys like weston mckinney that has been a set set piece threat every single time i've seen him play um and and so i mean that could be also the thing like that it doesn't always have to be the the nine that needs to be crucial for set pieces so so there there's that And, and so like I said, I don't personally think that there's a, a disrespect for Jesus Ferreira. I just don't think, um, he's garnered enough. Like, I don't think he's done enough for me to be like, that's our nine. Um, and that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm disrespecting him by saying that, but I think, uh, maybe there's a, a way, there's an approach to it. Maybe. Um, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts. So this is going to be posted on social media. Um, tell me what you guys think about, about Jesus Ferreira. Do you think, He is getting disrespected. Do you think what the criticism that he's getting is just where do you stand on Jesus Um Should he be our number nine or should he find a new position if he wants to make it with the U.S. team? So I'll leave it at that. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take a break and then we'll get going with the recap and preview of the Gold Cup. Well, not preview, but I mean pre. Recap of the Gold Cup tournament and then preview the final for the Gold Cup.
0: Spring has sprung, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They've already helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement, but this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code BELLYUP20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. The sun is peeking back out, which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again so use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning whether you got glorious beard flow or some smooth sleek cheeks the kit starts off with the beard hedger a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of add-ons it also comes with the titanium-coated T-blades that are tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to a single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. So what are you waiting for? Save 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code belly up 20 at manscape.com focus on the face and use the beard hedger pro kit for the cleanest look in the game
1: all right and we're back make sure you guys check out belly up sports belly up follow them on instagram and twitter at belly up sports and at belly up media lots of great stuff being dropped over there uh, be on the lookout because um the fact that i'm also currently looking for work i am also going to be entering the blogging business again <laughs> Um, you guys remember for Unhinged, I used to do, do some soccer blogs. So I'm going to get my writing back on and start writing some articles again for Belly of Sports. So be on the lookout for some articles that I end up writing there on bellyofsports.com. But all right, so the Gold Cup. All right, so the results for the group stages is in Group A, USA ends up winning the group. Second was Jamaica. Third was Trinidad and Tobago. And fourth was St. Kitts and Nevis. In Group B, Mexico won the group. Second was Qatar. Third was Honduras, and fourth was Haiti. Uh, In Group C, first was Panama. Second was Costa Rica. Third was Martinique, and fourth place miserably is El Salvador. Um, In Group D, Guatemala. First wins the group. Second is Canada. Third, Guadalupe fourth Cuba. Um, Sorry, Alexis. So, now we're in the quarterfinals. Panama beats Qatar 4-0. Mexico beat Costa Rica 2-0. Jamaica beat Guatemala 1-0. USA beats Canada. 2-2, 2-2 going to Pens 3-2. And now we're here at the semifinals where uh, Panama beat USA 1-1, 5-4 in penalties. And then Mexico beats Jamaica 3-0. Um, I actually was watching that game with some guys at so after so I went to go watch the dynamo game, obviously. Um, and then we went to we went to pitch twenty-five to go watch the penalties, unfortunately. Went so like I will say this though. Um, yeah, it sucks that the US didn't make it to the final. But it was pretty fucking cool to see Coco Carasquilla score the penalty to send Panama to the final. Um so I mean there's that. So it, I'm silver lining, I guess. This is like this is the episode of Silver Lining, apparently, but um But yeah, so you so you Panama beat USA and Mexico's going to the final. So the final's gonna be Mexico versus Panama. Mexico, I think has been fairly well. They beat who they they're supposed to beat. I mean, they had that one lax of judge uh, one really shocking game where they lost to Qatar one 0 um, which I might I don't know if I want to give a slap on the wrist for Mexico for that one because I feel like they rested their start. I mean, they already won the group. They already had their. They already beat Honduras. They already beat Haiti. So, they really had nothing to lose to play against Qatar. Like, they literally could have, they literally just rested their starters and just, you know, play Qatar. But obviously, the fact that, like, you had a lot, of, you had the whole possession. I don't even know if I can say majority. You had the whole possession of the game. Uh, you had a lot of shots. Um, you just couldn't finish them. Um, and so, what was funny was that the, so when I was watching the Mexico game at the bar, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, everybody, you know, and obviously when I talk about when I'm referring to the big 3, obviously is USA, Mexico and Canada. So I was saying, well, I mean, Mexico's playing with with their B team, so it's not like and and uh uh you know, some of the people one of the persons that I was hanging out with, he was like, "No, dude, this is our A team." And so uh that was a little bit of perspective. So uh I think I think also for the fact that like both like the fact that, you know, Canada and USA went into this tournament with their B team um I feel like if you're not going to take this tournament seriously and I mean I get it like for me I'm not saying like get all the starters in I think guys that are in like stable situations with their clubs so like obviously Christian Pulisic currently looking for a club now with you know AC Milan obviously but like you know his situation. All right, he he doesn't have to come. Um, Matt Turner, he knows he's in Arsenal, so you know he he you know, and he played and he did he did fairly well. I don't think the loss was on him, but uh, I I think guys that are in a stable situation with their clubs, I think could have let like been allowed to come. So like Ricardo Pepe, obviously trying to secure move to PSV, let him go there. Florian Balogun, I mean, they're still trying to figure out what's gonna happen with him. Um, but this was, this would have been a great opportunity for Jordan P. Fock. Like why we didn't see Jordan P. Fock. Um, but like, okay. And I don't know why I said 18, but like, <clears throat> so Weston McKinney, obviously uh, it l- there's some unknown there. I, I guess now that it's kind of like when I think about it now, perspective wise, I think I understand why they got mostly the MLS guys in there. So, okay. I'm just going to shut up now, but yeah. <sighs> I don't think because they brought their B team. I think they just got played outplayed by Panama. I think Panama has been a very quiet, quiet. It's been a dark horse. I think Panama has been very good this tournament. Um, you know, you know, Qatar. They 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 did what they were expected to do, which was beat Qatar. I think maybe maybe some people didn't expect Panama to be like that, but they did it. Um, and I mean, you could tell USA was definitely. Exhausted from the fact that, you know, they did have to go the distance against Canada. Um, and then having to go against Panama. And a lot of people did feel that maybe Panama had the edge because of the fact that they are obviously coming off of well rested legs. USA had to play a 120 plus and then had to go in and play another 120. Um, so this was just in favor of Panama. And then, so like, obviously that's, that's how basically, pa- for me, Panama, has been a very good, sturdy team this tournament. Mexico has been very good. I think people are criticizing Mexico because the standard of Mexico is very high. And I totally get the frustration for a lot of Mexico fans that the the, the national team is just not where they expect it to be. Obviously, you know, you, you fire your coach from just an embarrassment that happened in a Nations League tournament, a tournament that people still don't know where we should rate at. Um... But obviously you get you, you get beat three nil to the U.S. team, um, which is now you're seeing that shift from with with USA and Mexico, where USA has kind of just been this force now for Mexico, um, but kind of staying sticking with it. Mexico is still winning games, like they still have their players. I there's still head scratches for me some of their their their, their lineups, like Santiago Jimenez. Like I'm still shocked that he doesn't start, but I can't say anything now. Henry Martinez scored the goal. It's going to go for uh, one of the goals for uh, the, the Jamaica game. Um, but I think that there's still a lot of quality in Mexico. There's a lot of good players in Mexico. I think the issue is just the fact that they're not playing up to par of what Mexico expects. Like, like I said, the standard is very high for L3. Like, there is no, there's no arguing it. The standard is very high for this national team. The expectation is they should be beating everybody 3-0. <laughs> they, like... They should have, they, they, they should have beat Qatar 3-0. They should beat Honduras 3-0. They should beat Haiti 3-0. They should be, you know, they should beat Costa Rica 3-0. They should beat, you know, and obviously beat Jamaica 3-0. Like, they should be mopping the floor. Cause remember, uh, not that long ago, people were saying that Mexico should join Comnable to go play, to go play against uh, South American teams to get themselves better because they weren't getting better at CONCACAF. And, and so, and it's kind of like now that you're seeing the the rise of the U.S., Canada now having their rise, and it's like, is Mexico getting worse or is it just the competition has gotten better? You know, who's there to say? But I think for me, it's going to be Mexico that wins it. I, I like Panama's going to put up a fight, and I'm going, and I and I I, might, I, I think it's going to be a good game from Panama, but. Mexico is still Mexico. The standard is still the standard when it comes to Mexico. Um, I expect Mexico to lift, I believe th- this would be their 10th gold cup. Um, because I just, I would love for Panama to do it. Like, as, as a Central American, I would love to see Panama lift the gold cup. But I can all, I, I just can't see a world where Mexico doesn't win this. Um, I think if it was, if it was them versus USA, I think USA would win it. Um, Actually, I don't even know because if back-to-back penalties, I don't know how how much how much more they can handle. But actually, honestly, I'm gonna just say it. I think Mexico wins this just regardless. I think Mexico was the better, not necessarily the better team, but I think they they did what they needed to do. Like I said in their group, they they beat they won the first two games, so they had nothing to prove in the third game. So losing the start, though, embarrassing. Uh, like they didn't really need it. They didn't need it to win. They were gonna win the group. Like regardless, like they were just gonna win the group, so why would why would I play my starters if I didn't need to win that game? Um, and, and I mean, they they didn't allow a goal in the, so far in the knockout rounds. So I think I think Mexico, yeah, there's some hate, and I mean, and I get it, and I get that like there's like I said, people are, aren't this the this Mexico team hasn't been playing at the level that people expect them to play in, but. I mean, this is still—I—I th- I still think it's Mexico. There's no one that can prove <laughs> tell me that Mexico is not going to win this. If if you're saying Mexico is not going to win this game, it's because you just don't like Mexico. Um, and and I and I get that part, but like I just don't see where Mexico doesn't win this game. Um, so I think there's some things that Mexico still needs to figure out. Obviously, um, yeah, there there is a lot to figure out still for Mexico. Uh, but I think their coach. Uh, It has done a really good job taking over a a, a very, like, seems depleted team when, uh, after, you know, getting beat by the U.S. in the Nations League semifinal. But they've, they've turned it around. Um, the fans are still rowdy as all hell. I, I I can't not talk about this without talking about the fans. Um, it seems like a brawl has been going on every single Mexico game. Shoot, a guy got stabbed in the Qatar game. A Mexican stabbed another Mexican in the guitar game. So, like, um, and obviously, you know, the, the, games that they, the Honduras game that they had here in, in the, in Houston, um, where dudes were straight up, like, beating a woman. So, I mean, obviously the guy got arrested. So, but it's just, yeah, uh, Mexico, Mexico, like, uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic with the Mexican national team. But I, I, like I said, to to kind of come back to this uh, to the Gold Cup, I just think there's no way that Mexico doesn't win this game. Uh, so I got I got Mexico winning it. I think Mexico wins. I believe it's gonna be their tenth uh Gold Cup. Um, uh, you know, though it'll be so fucking awesome if if Panama can win it. I think that would be the cool, the, just the best feel good story. It's just Panama being. I I will say Panama has been so quiet. I don't think anybody has been watching Panama, and so for Panama to come into this tournament, win their group, which I mean, it wasn't a difficult group to begin with. I mean, Costa Rica, like I said, uh, Costa Rica is kind of near their tw- their end of their twilight years. El Salvador, I don't know. What, uh, there's 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 there needs to be some refiguring out there. Martinique, you should beat Martinique, but Panama, they've been do- they've been doing their job. They you know they've been beating who they're supposed to beat. Um, and then gets the upset against the U.S. Like, as far as momentum goes and exceeding exp so this is like the two dynamics here when you're talking about U.S., uh, Panama and Mexico. You have Mexico who feels like isn't living up to their expectations but still getting the job done, and then you have Panama on the other side who literally has been exceeding expectations, like going above and beyond. So it's like two different spectrums one that has like super high standards and is just not reaching it one that i don't necessarily think they have like they didn't come in with they, i'm not saying they came in with like low standards but didn't um expect a, a, a final a final appearance so like one that has just ex- exceeded the expectations so this is like two different sides of the coin and i think it's really cool i think it's going to be a good final um but i i i still i still say mexico wins it so that is the gold cup get ready for that one this weekend uh players of the week players of the week is brought to you by in the clutch in the clutch is an amazing apparel company that has partnered with the players associations of major league soccer major league baseball uh national basketball association and the national football league these shirts are amazing they have passed the fat boy test quoted by kelsey coin of high low sports um the designs are amazing man uh you know, obviously I'm a huge Astros fan, so I do have me a Kyle Tucker and a Jeremy Peña shirt. I also have it's a it's called soccer shirt. I do also have uh Football is Life shirt, which is a quote from Ted Lasso, which now I don't feel like a fraud cuz I have watched it now. Um, but just amazing shirts, great designs. So if you guys use our code insert name at checkout at in the clutch.com, you'll save yourself 10% off your purchase. So thank you again to in the Clutch for being our presenting partner. So players of the week, Edwards player of the week is Matt Turner, who stopped two penalties in the U.S.'s 2-2 win against Canada. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to get them in the final, but uh, we're obviously talking about the Canada game. Um, And then my player is Ismael Diaz, who scores a hat-trick in Panama's 4-0 win against Qatar. Um, So Panama USA, interesting there. But all right. uh, So congratulations, Matt Turner and Ismael Diaz. Uh, for being our players of the week, make sure you guys go on social media, go ahead and vote for who you think should be the player of the week. Um, obviously the, all these tally up to our, at the end of the year when we do our Roosevelt Spencer's player of the year award. Um, so make sure you guys go ahead and vote and tell us who you think should be player of the week. All right. So games to watch. Obviously the gold cup final. U- Panama. I was about to say USA. Panama versus Mexico. Let's see who wins the gold cup. Are we going to have a first time gold cup winner or a 10 time gold cup winner? Go ahead and be, be ready for that one. Liga MX. we have Pachuca versus Pumas and Tigres versus León. In the MLS, we have FC Cincinnati taking on Nashville SC and Atlanta United versus Orlando City SC. Uh, obviously, these are just some samples. You know, you don't have to watch these games. But if you are trying to get into uh, especially Liga MX and MLS, these are some games that you should probably look into. So. We're going to go ahead and take another break, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this show up with my closing thoughts. Let me tell you guys about Belly of Sports. Belly of Sports is the internet sports bar. Go ahead and check out the website, www.bellyofsports.com, to read some great articles from great writers all across the country, from hockey, baseball, golf, soccer, you name it. Belly of Sports is the premier, not your average, website. All right, and we're back. So my closing thoughts. And um I'm I'm trying to find a way to like say this without coming off as a dick, but um so uh Burnley and uh Burnley has announced and obviously Burnley just uh really just interesting what's going on over there in Burnley because was, like obviously JJ Watt has now owned uh JJ Watt and his wife Kalia Watt have have joined the ownership group there uh so that's a, just an interesting dynamic there but they just announced that uh while presenting their new kids that they also got a academy sponsor for the academy and that is dude perfect so if you guys don't know dude perfect um it's literally this youtube channel of these guys that from all from texas and them weirdly enough um that just made just random trick shots in in their backyard uh mainly with basketballs but then obviously grew that uh that YouTube channel to the empire that they have now where they have done collaborations with athletes all across uh all across the the world of sports um and still doing their thing with their YouTube channel obviously still doing their trick shots um but e- even a- even to be able to expand what they've been able to do where they they're they're just living like their lives and i may come off as a hater of dude perfect but it's not necessarily for any reason it's just because these guys are like mad corny but like they're mad corny but if you and it's kind of the same thing that i've said for like kids movies now these days i don't criticize kids movies because like they're kids movies they're they're corny like kids like it like that's why so like for me dude perfect like I'm I'm not supposed to like Dude Perfect, and that's because you know, like, I'm not their I'm not their audience. I'm not Dude Perfect's audience. I I the audience for Dude Perfect their demographic is children. Like they are a children friendly uh group of guys that just love sports and like to do trick shots. Like they're like this is for kids. Like like if I ever had a, if I had a child, my child probably would like watching Dude Perfect. Hopefully, if they like sports, um, but they would like Dude Perfect, like, they would be all about Dude Perfect, and, like, that is not, like, at that point, my job isn't to shit on them, like, my job is to, like, okay, this is what they like, all right, well, go buy the Dude Perfect swag, oh, go, go, go to the Dude Perfect tour, these guys go on tour now, so, like, um, and so, and obviously, all the great things that they do, like, you know, all the stuff that they do for Make-A-Wish, just overall, like, really nice guys that, are doing these cool things and have been able to build an empire and, and come off very well off from it to be able to support their families doing. And it's, it's all crazy to think that this all started from just recording YouTube videos of them doing trick shots from just random places in their backyard with a basketball hoop. So like, I'm not hating on dude. Perfect. Like I just, I just want to point that out. I know I put, I said a, me, a mean tweet about it, but um I don't hate dude. Perfect in any way. Um, but the reason why my rant is, is not this, my rant isn't about do perfect, but like, so do perfect is going to sponsor Burnley's Academy, like, you know, be their Jersey sponsor, which, which then means that there's money going into Burnley's Academy, which I have no issue with that. I mean, obviously, uh, from someone that understands the academies, like I, the thing is with me, obviously is like Europe, (laughs) European academies, I I would feel are a little bit more better off than, than MLS academies. And so my issue is just like, I feel like we need to start investing more in, in youth soccer. Like I, I learned a lot of things working in the academy that like, you know, obviously some of the arguments people have had, like pay to play and. And, and, and those, those are those, those, uh, qualms, uh, about the academy system and how like the, 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 you know, players in America, like it's more, it's more derivative. It's more, uh, it's more easy for guy, for kids of more well-off situations to participate in academies than people that are just not financially capable of it. Um, which there is some truth behind it, but I think that, uh, I've learned that the academies don't, also help out people, you know, players that come from not necessarily great financial situations. Um but like the reason why I'm saying this is cuz like while it's cool that dude perfect gets this opportunity to work with a Premier League academy, like I think there should be more of an emphasis to try to build the academies here in the US. Like I think that the you know, it would be cool for dude perfect to have sponsored an MLS Academy. And, like... And the reason why I point that out is because, like, you know, jersey sponsorships, that is something that... That is an issue that's going on with MLS Academies. Um, That, like... They... You know, there's people that just don't want to be a jersey sponsor for an academy. Uh, And so, it it does make things difficult. So... And and I'm not... This isn't me trying to, like, attack Dude Perfect for doing this. I just... Like, I think in general, like, I see a lot of people trying to invest in Euro- European teams, you know, obviously. But there's, like, and we're starting to see more, like, athletes and celebrities, like, own- going into ownership groups of-, of MLS teams. But, like, that's the thing. It's the MLS team. Like, I haven't heard anything of a celebrity wanting to, like, help out with the academy. Um and I mean, that's probably something that's going on, or maybe they're trying, like, you know, I'm sure, like, the clubs are trying hard to push it, but it's just very difficult to get someone to sign up for something that they really don't understand. I think if, if we could get, like, you know, some of these athletes to, to really see, like, the process of the academy and, and see some of the, sta- some of the situations in some of the academies. Cause, like I said, um, kind of going back to, like, me getting released, like, there's not a lot of academies that have, like a full staff, you know, and when I say full staff, I mean like, you know, equipment managers, you know, admin, uh, player care, an assistant, assistant coach for each team. Like a lot, at least from from my side with the Dynamo, the with the Dynamo Academy, um, a lot of like the coaches of of a of a of another team of one of the teams would have to go and sit on the bench for another team. Um, I mean, it's, it's only for a game thing, but like, like a lot of these coaches, like they have to run their own sessions. They have to set up their fields for their own sessions. Like, and I'm I mean, I'm not trying to like, you know, world's smallest violin shit right here, but like, I'm just saying that like, it's a very, and that's kind of why I'm always, like I was saying, like, it's a very hard, it's like, if you're going to choose to go and become an academy coach or just work for an academy in any sort of, even director, general manager, all that stuff. It, 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 it is something more of a passion job. Like, it is one of those things where, like, you are doing it because you love it. Like, and, and you wanna see the, these kids develop into not only great players, but just overall, you know, great people. And, and so, like, I think they're, and like, honestly, they're just not getting by with getting by. Um, and, and I think that they're, that I wish there was more and, and so for me, like the thing that that like it really struck a nerve with me with Dude Perfect sponsoring uh the Burnley Academy is that it's like, you know, you could have done that for FC Dallas. Like you could have because, you know, I'm not not saying that FC that they're FC Dallas fans, but I think when they did the jersey unveiling, they do perfect shuttle for FC Dallas. Um, but like I think that there should be more of an emphasis on developing youth academies. That's just my thing. Um, so like, um, and I think sponsorship is something that is kind of an issue for academies is that the funding isn't there. Um, and I mean, it also goes into like obviously proper planning and proper managing of the finances. But at the end of the day, sometimes you have to cut things off. And, you know, most of the time that means people losing jobs. And so, like I said, I'm not, this isn't like a soapbox for you guys to feel bad that I got released from the dynamo in any shape or form. But it's just like something that I learned while I, while working in the academy was just that like, it, there needs to be at least a little bit more financial support towards it. And like I said, like the academy shouldn't be seen as a nuisance. Like the academy should be seen as honestly, probably for a lot of MLS teams especially if they're they aren't capable of signing these like high mark you know these big marquee signings like or they spend so much money on that marquee signing that they need to you know spread out the cash flow a little bit better um like your academy should be a benefactor like your academy should be where you guys are like okay well let's see what this kid has like you know for me, that that should be like the mentality. Like our everyone should be using the academy. It shouldn't be like we shouldn't have so many. Like the lack of teenage players like playing in the MLS. Like so. Like for me, like if we can have like just some, just more people wanting to give more for the academy, I think would it would also help build uh U.S. you know soccer in the U.S. But uh, that that's just that's just my whole thing. It's it's been something that um. I've wanted to say, um, not necessarily because I got released or anything like that, but it's just something that I've experienced and I've learned from, uh, I've, I've learned a little bit about. So I just wanted to put that out there in the air, but, um, yeah, that's, that's just my closing thoughts. Um, like I said, nothing against dude, perfect going with Burnley. I think that's really cool for their brand. It's just, so just another step in their evolution of these guys that like not that long ago, were just making videos of them doing trick shots in their backyard to like their their brand is literally on a premier league academy jersey you know so i think it's it's really cool um i think the only thing is just i wish there was that same type of energy given to the mls academies um so that's just my thing but all right uh let's go ahead and wrap this show up i want to give a shout out to the Bellyo podcast network obviously check them out Bellyosports.com. lots of great articles you might see me write a few articles for them in the near future uh, follow them on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Belly Up Media and at Belly Up Sports. Um, if you guys like the beats, the intros, the outros, well, Spencer is the guy that does it for us. So follow him on Instagram at That Guy Dope. Once again, at That Guy Dope. Uh, check out like some of his great work. Also, if you guys need some beat works on hit him up, man. Um, but so yeah, that's it, man. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Insert FC. Um, we're also in thread. Now we're trying to figure that thing out but follow us also on thread at insert name fc but uh yeah man thank you so much for listening catch us next week for episode 136 take care guys